0: afternoon with Dennis Fithian on Detroit Sports, ready to get things underway with podcast number 58. Duncan Smith joins us here on the podcast, uh, a basketball aficionado, uh, a site expert at Hoops Habits, writes for Forbes, a number of stories filed there on the Pistons, and a podcast as well, Respecting Your Elders. Duncan, that's a triple threat, man. You got a lot going on. How are
1: yeah. you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I I think we've found like the one day in lot, like the past month and the future two months or whatever of uh, of basketball that we're going to get that we're we're able to like make a connection and, and get on together because I don't know about you but I've been beyond swamped and it's been great but it's been a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I I watched the the bubble and I was kind of you know casually just checking it out and. Uh, hoping that it was going to work out, and then just you know getting a feel for hey, what's it going to look like? How's it going to play? And uh, I, I would say that it took me about a game or two, and, and then it was kind of like watching it was kind of like watching summer league, and then you know maybe like watching AAU, or maybe watching all of it, but realizing where we are at. But I'll tell you what, the the last two games I watched, I watched the Nets and the Blazers, where Lavert missed that step back, or he had the clean look, and. And then I watched uh, this weekend, I watched uh, the Blazers and the Grizzlies, and uh, I'm sold, man. This uh, The bubble is awesome. Uh, the NBA is is got it, and it looks like full steam ahead now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There were so many things that I did not expect them to be able to pull off that they have been able to. Like, I did not expect the quality of play to be high. Um, you mentioned Summer League. That's kind of what I expected. But I think that, that when we think about Summer League, we kind of forget that, like um, – those are summer league players playing. You know, I mean, uh, I, I recall. Uh, I think in Stanley Johnson, the second year, he just basically wrote, like raced through everybody. And we know, like, God bless him, but um, you know, he's not going to do that in NBA games for the most part. And um, so, just like the quality of play is more predicated on like how good the players are than like the environment. You know, yeah. And then there's the fact that, like, you mentioned uh, the two games that you you mentioned. Like, the Nets had nothing to play for, but they just went like all out that was a playoff game for them like from start to finish they treated that thing like their own game seven it meant absolutely nothing they're not moving up and down the standings um but you know that's a team that while there was no playoff flexibility for them in that matchup they've got all these guys who are on like two-way contracts and like minimum contracts they've got an interim head coach who apparently this team loves and and just like went all out for in Jacques jack bon. um yeah it, it's amazing how every just about every team with I think the exception of the Sacramento Kings and the New Orleans Pelicans <laughs> um, who just basically like showed up and put their time in and then went home um, just what every other team just like left it all on the floor and uh, that's something I didn't really expect I did not expect the um, the visual uh, experience to be as good as it is like it's, it's very easy for me to forget that it's in an empty gym you know there's maybe what 60 people in the building um, and with the the digital ads and everything all over the place, and the uh, super fans and the the, the video boards that they have um, all around the, the the I don't even want to call them arenas, but you know the, the playing area. Um, it's it's easy to forget with the pumped-in sound and the, and the visuals that it is basically an empty building that they're playing in, and uh, it's it's just been like a much better experience and uh, across the board, I think, watching um, than, than I had expected. It's been, it's been really great.
0: Yeah, it has. Uh, I don't want to overdo it when it comes to just what we have on paper here for the playoffs, but it looks spectacular, the matchups here, the way the Blazers have been going. And I, I think because of these last two games and all those things that you mentioned, and, and and there is the unknown about what a home court is really going to feel like, or or what kind of advantage. I I don't know. There's probably no advantage here, and so you'll, you you just start looking at Lakers and in, in, in Blazers, and you, you just don't know. Like you would think, hey, if you have to play a, a game seven back in L.A., well, you, you don't have to play a game seven. It's going to be right there. But but just watching these games, these these last couple, it it has a feel. Those had. A playoff type feel to them, and the great unknown about this home court. It, it even though you would think it's going to be the two LA teams, and you would think it's going to be the Bucks there from the East. Um, the, we got to watch. I, I like every series. Really is intriguing. Maybe not the Bucks and the Magic, but every other series I would watch. You know, the the first game, thinking, hey, this might be a great series.
1: Yeah, I think the Bucks and Magic series those might be the games that i like kind of plan my day around like i have this two hour block that i can go do whatever (laughs) you know i can i'll watch all the other games and then like this is this is where i can carve my time in um because i've I've found that like wizards games and pelicans games after a certain point where like my i'm going to get away and like get some stuff done like you know go clean the basement or something like that in in these periods of time so that's an important game, I think, in the schedule to be able to like plan your, your free time around. Um, but yeah, so many of these matchups are, are really really great. You know, you've got uh, the one that intrigues me the most. I think is the uh, the Rockets and the Thunder um, for all the like subtext between them with uh, with like Chris Paul being practically salary dumped on the on the Thunder and now Russ is out for the Rockets. That one's going to be uh, a very I think it's going to be an interesting series, no matter like how quickly Rust returns, if he even does. Um, but you mentioned the the value of like the home road variation between uh, between teams, and I think that what we're we're probably going to see, and maybe what we've already seen um, with like regards to quality of fight, is. In, in a lot of cases, I think that the, the biggest impact on um, like of, of playing on the road or playing at home is that like role players play better at home and they play worse on the road. You know, your, your superstars are going to do what they do wherever they play. But um, I wonder maybe if like part of why we've seen so many like breakout performances, like Gary Trent Jr. Came out of nowhere, you know, um, for example, I wonder if maybe some of, some of that is coming from the fact that there is no road disadvantage. So it, you know, if if all your role players are playing somewhat better to a whole lot better, it's just going to make for like so much more competitive action. Um, so I, I feel like that's probably going to carry over to the playoffs. And I think that that might have uh, a really, a really positive impact on like the quality of games again. And we might even see some, some surprises, uh, you know, I, I don't know if like the Blazers really have much of a chance, not nearly the chance that I think people are pumping up to have against the, the Lakers. But um, they've got some guys who are like in that role player category. And if, if they don't have that like road fear or whatever it is that gets struck into those that category of player, uh, you know, maybe there's maybe there's a little something extra that they've got.
0: Yeah, it could be. You know, like, you hear, like, guys, well, he's a really good practice player, uh, but when it comes <laughs> yeah. to the games, well, these, since you don't have the crowd, and that's what, you know, I was thinking about uh, the Pistons' new GM, Troy Weaver, and I'm sure he's uh, he's watching all this, and mostly you'd say, hey, the biggest thing's going to be what he's going to do in the top five, or whatever, if he drops back, like the Red Wings or something. But when you see the pacers and you see a guy like tj warren you say yeah that's kind of the thing you're looking for find a find a guy like that who's you know, the average in 35 for in the bubble for cash but we don't know it's 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 weird i mean that guy could you know blow up here maybe they could win a series maybe they could test the bucks and then when you get back and they have fans maybe he won't be this guy that looks like a like an all-star or an MVP is what he looks like right now
1: (laughs) right yeah yeah there's so many unknowns and like fortunately the unknowns have have uh, have made for like an even better viewing experience but yeah once the bright lights are back on and you've got 20,000 people in a stadium if you know God willing that ever happens again. Um, yeah. uh, <laughs> um, you know, maybe that, maybe that changes. And some of the scouting that teams like the Pistons, uh, were able to do on these guys who broke out in the bubble, uh, maybe their breakout ends up not being quite as real. Um, you know, when, when the stakes are raised as far as, uh, as far as like people in the stands and, and like the actual lights, are just brighter. Um, uh, you know, maybe, maybe some of that scouting becomes less valid, uh, there, there have been so many guys I've never heard of before the past week or so. Like Paul Watson for the Raptors scored 22 points or 23 points, I think, in their finale. Mm. Like, you know, um, apparently he's a two-way guy. <laughs> and um, so, you know, I think that uh, we're going to have to see how that translates. You know, like some things in college that seem really good in college, they don't translate to the NBA for all sorts of reasons. And maybe some things in the bubble will translate uh, to – um, regular, regular action in front of like thousands of fans again. Once that happens,
0: yeah, I'm with you. I was uh, I'm watching the Nets and I'm like, uh, you know, who's this guy? You know, shooting these corner threes over here, and I'm 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 looking things up and and trying to figure out, you know, who's who. I know when they have these uh, the playoffs set now, you know, they have the chance to scout and do all these different things and the and the intensity. I, I, I you. You thinking that when you don't know what the home court is, and you have these different guys, I man, you you feel like they have to get the the um, the big teams here advancing, or it's gonna feel a little bit like uh, you know all of this you know this talk about just how great everything is, and and seeing what McCollum and, and Lillard did. If if somehow we get an upset somewhere, whether it's the Lakers, the Clippers or the buck, Suddenly, everybody's going to turn on the bubble and say this isn't, you know, it's a, it's a, it's not good. It's you know because of uh, you know not, not having your your teams that ultimately everybody wants to see, at, at least in the uh, you know Eastern and Western Conference Finals. What do you think about that?
1: Well, maybe, but at the same time, like upsets make great stories. You know, um, like what was it the uh, was it ninety four? I think the the eight seeded Nuggets beat the Sonics. I think that's what it was. Um, you know, we still remember that not 8 seed team. Um,
0: That's right, Matumbo so, in the lane, like, you know, waving everybody. Yeah, yeah, I remember that.
1: Yeah, like, find a better story than Damian Lillard sending LeBron James home the first round. I can't think of a better story. Uh, you know, I would love to see a great finals. you know, Lakers-Bucks or, or whatever combination. Lakers-Raptors is actually kind of, like, close to my heart because I, you know, from, from Canada, I've been indoctrinated into Raptors basketball just as much as I have the Pistons, basically, through most of my life. Um, so, you know, the, the Raptors won their championship last year, but they did it without having to face LeBron. So, you know, actually like finally exercising that demon of LeBron in the playoffs on the biggest stage in the NBA finals, that would be a great story. But also Damian Lillard knocking LeBron out of the playoffs in the in the first round would be a story that we would never forget. So, um, yeah, you know, for like higher quality of play in later series, I think that you want your favorites to advance. And usually in the NBA, they do because teams are, they basically go as far as their best players can take them. Um, But yeah, if we have the potential for a great upset, uh, somewhere along the line, um, I I don't have a problem with that. I think that that, uh, you have to have an upset now and then to to really put uh, the fear of God into into, like the top seeds. You know, they can't play around when you've got... um, you've got this like very creative Brooklyn Nets team, for example, that kind of came out of nowhere. And I think they went five and three in the bubble. And this is with like a whole bunch of just like role players. I think they, they signed like three, four or five um, replacement players in addition to um, utilizing their two way guys. And like, it was a roster that looked nothing like they had at the end of like when the, when the season was suspended, let alone at the beginning of last year when they had like Kyrie and um, Spencer Dinwiddie and guys like that. So, um, yeah, you know, if a team like that can put a scare into the Raptors or the Blazers can do uh, something, something insane against the Lakers, um, I don't see that as a bad thing. I, I think that uh, that could that could be really incredible.
0: You know, I don't either. I think it's one of those national narratives that people say you got to get those big names in there, but they say that every year, and it, it's just because it's the bubble now that they're saying it more. And you're right, you know about those upsets. I do know that if it's a a Laker championship or a Clippers or a Bucks, it's not going to be tainted at all. I'll make the case. I mean, I just mentioned it a few times. You don't have home court, and you got to go through all of this and have all of your players, you know, stay in line and uh, have to stay in the hotel. All the things that you know that the the pandemic and and being in a bubble that you have to do, and without home court, if you go ahead and, and win this one. Uh, in in the opposite of like, you know, hey, it was a a pandemic or, you know, you should get awarded full marks for being able to do it and run all the way through here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I believe it was before the teams left for Orlando, Doc Rivers was asked about the whole asterisk element to things. And he said that there shouldn't just not be an asterisk asterisk there should be like a gold star on whoever wins this thing because it's going to be one of the most difficult things to pull off and then actually win an NBA championship on top of it like that is uh, a true feat plus we've got the fact that like these teams are just like all out every night you know like there's no no cakewalks nothing easy you know the the Brooklyn Nets who are playing for nothing again like the example I just keep coming back to because I was so impressed with with their play through at this bubble um you know it nothing is easy nothing is given. And that's on top of like playing in the middle of Florida during a global pandemic. Like it's, it's a, a true feat uh, from like the NBA's organization on down to the players on the floor. Um, it's, it's just been like a really incredible feat that they have so far pulled off. You know, I, I always say like, there's no victory laps until this thing is all over. Like it takes one mistake and the whole thing comes toppling mm-hmm. down. But, um, you know, From from the play right up to the organization of the league itself, I think that uh, I think that we can definitely strike any kind of asterisk discussion. Like this is this is going to be a worthy champion, whoever it is.
0: Yeah, and I know they haven't got uh, it's the summer and whatever other reasons that you don't have, you know the the off the chart ratings. But I think as these, uh, like I said, the the first round. I can't remember a first round where the matchups, every one except one. That I wouldn't say, oh, yeah, I want to definitely uh, tune in. I wouldn't be surprised if we do have long series in, in all of them, except that Bucks Magic. And uh, I'm expecting the ratings uh, to, to shoot up here. Let me ask you this here before I get you some piston questions. Out of, uh, I, I'll just go in the West, you know, the, the Lakers and Clippers, who do you think the third team is there in the West that not you would just pick for an upset, but one that you think they could advance here? Who's the third best team in the West? It's almost like you can make a case for every team.
1: You really could make a case for just about everybody. Um, you know, I, I think that the Nuggets are a really interesting case, especially now that Michael Porter Jr. is uh, is, is turning out to be like the talent that that he was hoped to be. Um, I think that he, I think he gives them probably like the biggest argument to be the third best team. Um, but then the Rockets. Have maybe the third best player in the NBA in in James Harden, um, and it's it's really hard to overlook. them especially if, if Russell Westbrook gets back healthy. If he doesn't, then I think that we can probably take them off the table. for That, um, but you know, even even the the, uh, the Dallas Mavericks, who are like they don't really play much defense, but they have the most efficient offense, uh, like points per one hundred possessions. Uh, which is generally how, like, offense is measured these days. Uh, It's the most efficient offense in NBA history, you know, better than the Warriors, better than the peak Warriors. Um, So, you know, I I don't think that there's a case for them to be the third best, but they're they're a team that could really um, make some noise and make a uh, surprise push, and it wouldn't even surprise me all that much, you know. Um, So, yeah, I think probably right now the Nuggets are who I would would slot that third spot, but, you know, in a week, that could be completely different, you know? It
0: could, and and I, I changed the parameters there, because I don't think the Rockets are going all the way, but I do, you, you get, and you shoot hot for a week or two, which could happen, and we, you know, they could have already won one if they could have just shot a little bit better in, in some of the past postseasons, and, you know, they have it in them, and we do know that they are going to be throwing a lot of threes up. What about in the East here, out of the, after the Bucks. I, you know, I, I think you eliminate the Sixers because of Simmons, you know, being mm-hmm. out here. But what the Raptors and Celtics look like, if you told me that either of those teams gave a long series, ultimately, you know, beat the Bucks, that wouldn't be a shock to me, a surprise maybe, but not a shock.
1: Yeah, the Raptors struggle to score the ball, but their defense is, uh, it is it is Jedi mind tricks in a way. You know, like they they give up a lot of corner threes, just like the Bucks do. Um, but they have—I forget if it's the second best defense, the third best defense in the NBA. You know, they—they they give up all these high-value shots, and yet, like everything else they do, just makes your life so miserable. It, you can't run on them; they're—they're they're so organized. They—they um, they capitalize on all your mistakes, and they don't give up much when when they make their own mistakes. Like they turn the ball over a lot, but their transition defense is solid. You know, like that's not usually the case for teams that turn the ball over. Um, so, I mean. Nick Nurse alone, I think, is uh, he's he's an evil genius in a way yeah. uh, from the, the coaching perspective. Um, so, I mean, I honestly couldn't even tell you between the Celtics and the Raptors uh, who that, that number two team is in, in the East. Um, but it, it's, I think, for sure one of those two teams. I think the Heat are too far back. I think the Pacers are uh, a little too injury-riddled and just not quite that good in the first place. The Sixers, just, they just... Injuries aside, they're just not. Uh, they didn't deliver to the kind of like potential and promise it seemed that they would have. Like I, I feel as though actually they might be surprisingly better with uh, with Ben Simmons out uh, because the offense is just so clunky with him in there, and the half court the offense just doesn't work. You know, um, they'll lose some on the defensive end, of course, but uh, yeah, it, it's hard to put the Sixers. Uh, a whole lot higher than they are, just because they have been so disappointing across the board all season long.
0: I love the storyline of uh, <laughs> whenever one of the big two for the Sixers goes out, that they're a better team. So I, I'm there for that always, and uh, you know that that could be the case. All right, having said it all, it's not like I'm going out on any kind of limb before the season. I I thought it was going to be the Clippers and the Bucks in the finals. I'm going to stay with that. Where are you going? When it comes down to the uh, to the finals,
1: oh man, I have uh, I can see so many different outcomes happening, you know. Um, but I have kind of made a rule of never betting against LeBron James in the playoffs. Um, obviously, he was pretty unimpressive in the bubble, but at the same time, like we've seen him coast for months, um, and and everybody's like, oh, "He's washed," you know. This is what four or five years ago with the the um, the Cavaliers. You know it's very easy to give up on him in the, the regular season, just to see that yeah he was he was just saving that energy for the playoffs all along, and now we feel silly. So I'm not going to bet against the Lakers. I won't I won't bet against LeBron James in the playoffs basically ever. Um, I have a feeling that the Raptors or Celtics are going to give the Bucks a major scare. Um, I I think that Nick Nurse has well. Um, Mike Budenholzer for the, the Bucs is you know a fantastic coach. I think that Nurse has a major edge when it comes to adjustments and playoff adjustments in particular. Um, so I think I think I'm actually going to take either the uh, the Raptors or the Celtics for the East against the Lakers in the, in the NBA I, finals. I like it. I like so I'm kind it. of ahead because I'm taking two teams, but I'm eliminating the heavy favorites. So yeah, no, I, I think I, that kind of offsets, right?
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. Like, if you, if you would have said, uh, I think it's going to be the Clippers or Lakers and uh, take it on the Bucs, I'd say, well, that's not sticking your neck out. But saying that somebody's going to knock the Bucks off, uh, I'm with you on that. Well, it's surprising that there's so much Piston stuff here. I'll, I'll just throw a bunch of quick ones at you. You can go wherever you want with it. You know, I mentioned the Pistons' new GM and, and Troy Weaver, the big – move will be in the draft wherever the Pistons uh, are going to pick there and any feel at all if the Pistons got the number one selection if they would lean towards uh, LaMelo Ball or, or Anthony Edwards or, or somebody else do you think they, uh, they even know right now that they would have a consensus if they had the number one pick?
1: I bet there isn't a consensus I, I haven't really asked around about this yet I'm probably going to get to that later this week but um, well, probably like tomorrow-ish, uh, given the the timetable that we're working with now. Um, I feel like Lamella is probably just like the consensus by default in a way. Um, I don't know that he necessarily should be. And because of that, I almost, you know, this would be like, this would be the draft that the Pistons would like jump up to number one. You know, it's just, yeah. that's the way it goes. <laughs> um, and, and we'll see if they go like 0 for 2 with, uh, with their jump up, their, uh, their, their lottery their lottery leaps basically since like darko is the only other time they ever moved up their lottery um, so you know we'll see if that would even be a good thing if they were to win this this lottery but I, yeah I think Lamelo is probably just like the number one by by default and then like maybe as the, the draft process wears on it would probably be his spot to lose you know I, considering like how like the uh, the draft process and the, the scouting process and everything is is going to go on i don't even know how you can like move up or down um wise in the draft since like there's there's no like in-person anything right now um there's there's no new film there's no workouts or anything like that so um i don't know how like a sort of like a default number one could could drop but um it's just such a weird draft even without like the pandemic (laughs) you know just the players available alone it made for for a strange um odd draft so it's It's going to be weird. It's going to be really weird.
0: Yeah, I know that what happened in the past doesn't mean anything to this draft. And if a player is playing overseas, it doesn't mean that he's going to be the next Darko. But it kind of feels like the the Pistons would get the number two pick. And that instead of taking uh, LaMelo Ball, they would take, like, Killian Hayes, who was from overseas, or, you know, somebody like that. And then that's what the Piston fans would think. But, you know, it's like a couple old-school Pistons in the news this week. One, Joe D's back with, with Vladi being out in Sacramento. And, you know, uh, he he was an advisor. Uh, he's an interim GM. I would say good for Joe D there for being back. What uh, Chauncey's name, Chauncey Billups' name popping up in connection with you know, Ty Lu as a possible lead assistant. So Mr. Big Shot, who looked like he was going to go the GM route could possibly be out on the floor coaching, and then maybe that would just uh pave the way for him to be a coach. Did you think if it when I say Chauncey's name, do you would you rather have him as a GM or a coach?
1: Considering the fact that he was more interested in being a GM than a coach, I'm surprised that he would he would want to be a coach, you know, like it's, it's more wear and tear. It's more travel. I think that like he's enjoyed being able to like be close to home in in LA uh, with his family and everything like that. Um, Like he does uh, play by play for the Clippers, uh, color for the Clippers. So it would surprise me if he would, uh, if he would go with the coaching route, you know, like being an executive, you don't have to travel all the time and uh, like during the season and things like that if you're a coach, here on the road every night. So it, it surprises me to see his name pop up. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how, how well-founded necessarily those reports <laughs> and rumors are, but, um, it, it, you know, it just doesn't make sense relative to like what I thought that Chauncey wanted, um, you know, in life basically. So, um, I do think that Chauncey and Lu is a, a sort of like a dynamic duo, um, of coaches would be really interesting. I think they'd do really well. Um, I think the time has come for Ty Lue to get another job for sure. Uh, I, I know that uh, he's trying to win a championship with the Clippers right now, um, but the fact that like they're both Clippers based does kind of make me wonder if like this does have some sort of basis in fact and truth. Like maybe these guys are uh, getting together and, and talking about this and like maybe this is actually something that the wheels are turning on. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I was very surprised to see his name pop up in the coaching um, the coaching discussion because I really was, was pretty sure that he wanted to be a GM or at least look at this in GM and work his way up or something like that.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. He seems like he's more of a call-your-shot GM guy. There's something – I don't know if I'm trying to think who wrote it saying that, you know, they were citing Larry Brown always said that, you know, he predicted that, that – Chauncey would be more of a coach than a GM type. I don't know. Maybe somebody talked to Larry Brown, but listening to you, he, he just knowing him, his persona, and everything else, he just seems more of a call your shot GM, make the calls from there, uh, rather than you know being out on the floor and having to go through all of that. But you don't know. Yeah, you, you never do know about that. What yeah. about um, what about any potential free agents? Uh, one Christian Wood. Uh, there's got to be a number that the Pistons are writing down that they're not going to go over in either years or or annual pay here. I I don't know what that number is. Two, three years, 10 million. Uh, uh, Fred Van Vliet, I've heard his name associated with the Pistons. Uh, Anybody else? So what do you think about that number with Woods? First of all,
1: Um, I think something in like the three years, 40 million is probably pretty reasonable. Hmm. Um, You know, I, I think that even, even like knowing how good he was in general, I think it was still undersold just how good he was. Um, you know, like the Pistons actually scored more points with him on the floor than without him this season. Like that alone, with the number of minutes he played, that alone is just like mind boggling. Like it's not easy, um, to have a team this bad actually be like in the green with you on the floor. That to me, I think that is, uh, um, it's promising, you know, um, there are obviously some holes in his game. Uh, defensively, he is not necessarily stout. Um, he, He's not a playmaker, uh, at least at this point. Um, and he's, he's this is kind of like an expression that I, I don't think gets used often enough, but uh, he's not as young as you think, <laughs> you know? Um, he's, uh, he's not like a 21, 22-year-old. Um, so, you know, you you do have to bear that in mind, I think, uh, with, with any kind of um, big payday. But I think somewhere in that three years, 40 million is, is about right, you know, and that 13 to 15 million per season I think is is fair and uh, it keeps him happy and it keeps other teams from uh, from feeling as though outbidding them is a possibility, you know?
0: Yeah, and they got to sign somebody, and I would be all right, if they don't go over three years, uh, that seems like a, a sweet spot to me and, and, and somebody that you know, was here, and they could keep around. He's got some name recognition here. I'd be all right with that. Anything else that I haven't touched when it comes to the Pistons Do you think people would be uh, interested in, Duncan?
1: Um, well, actually, uh, something I wrote about uh, for Forbes this morning, um, some, I've been keeping an eye on these, these two-way and role players, just like we were talking about earlier, um, who have been like really shining with opportunity. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Pistons – do make uh make it a priority to sign a couple of these um a couple of these guys who are coming out of nowhere and, and really like putting on a show uh i mentioned uh, paul watson earlier and he's also one of the guys that i wrote about and uh chris chioso for the uh the Nets. um so i wouldn't be surprised if like a couple of these guys at least get like a training camp opportunity or something like that with systems whenever that uh whenever that day comes they might be a little too big time for uh, for you know training camp opportunities by then, but uh, maybe some portion of the mid level mid level exception, um, they they might be uh, cheap lottery tickets that could that could uh, really pay off. So um, yeah, I would say uh, for your listeners, keep an eye on all the two way players who are we're getting run in the uh, the playoffs now, and uh, I, I think that there might be a player or two that show up on the Pistons roster next season.
0: I like it. Well, hey, uh, I appreciate your time. I know you're going to enjoy the playoffs. Uh, I'm hoping that they're going to be as good as these last couple play-in games. If we get anything like that, man, we are going to just have uh, a great couple months here of pandemic uh, bubble hoops.
1: <laughs> Pretty <much>. <laughs> Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, uh, we'll we'll catch all your stuff, and uh, it, it, you're you're great on Twitter. I, I think everybody knows that already. That that's listening, especially if they're listening, you know, this long here. But at Duncan Smith NBA, uh, I feel like I don't need to tweet. I just sit back and, and, and read your tweets, and it, it's it's uh, it's entertaining. <laughs> well, thank that's what you. I
1: do. Yeah, thanks. I that.
0: <laughs> thanks for your time. Enjoy the
1: playoffs. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thank all you. Right, see you later, Duncan. See you then.
0: There he is, Duncan Smith, joining us here. On the podcast, it's of course, what he's just done. That's your NBA Primer and Pistons news as well. Thanks to Duncan Smith. That is going to do it. Everybody have a great day, night, week, and all of that. I will talk with you soon. Goodbye.